We sit glued to the TV set all night And every night Why go into the outside world at all? It's such a fright We got nothing better to do Than watch TV and have a couple of... Welcome to TV Times 3, episode 264. On this episode, we've got some renewal news, and then we'll be talking about the first season finale of Marvel's Agent Carter, the series finale of Parks and Recreation, and then recent episodes of The Flash, The Walking Dead, and Better Call Saul. Plus, we've got some TV recommendations at the end. You can find the full show notes with start times for each segment at tvtimes3.com slash 264. I'm Jason the TV Holic from tvholic.com, and this week I have joining me... My name is Jason. I do Walking Dead casts. Uh, you can find me at walkingdeadcast.com. I also watch other TV shows. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Kate Kalzik. I'm the TV editor of soundoutside.org uh, and a contributor to the AV Club. And I also have a Walking Dead podcast. So that this is going to be fun. Oh, wow. Which one's yours? The Sound Outside Walking Dead podcast. Awesome, man. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. I'm going to check it out. All right. Well, Walking Deadcaster, meet Walking Deadcaster, and <laughs> vice versa. <laughs> I was going to say, how are we going to do this Jason Jason thing? Because you guys will know who you're talking to. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be more challenging for me. (laughs) You should have been there when we had the three Jasons. That's right. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) When we did the Jason Times 3 podcast, that was was something to behold. I don't know. We'll figure it out. It usually works itself out. Yeah, you guys are just going to have to know. I'm just going to trust. Okay. Well, this is my first time meeting Jason, but Jason, I assume you'll know who I'm, when I'm speaking to you. Yes. Uh, that's just how, you know. I just assumed you were talking to me. See, that didn't work because I was talking to the other <laughs> well, Oh, man. I've already failed. There we go. So oh, well. maybe it won't work. <laughs> you can call uh, me Mason if you want. Uh, and with that in mind, let's get on with the podcast. First up, a couple of news items. ITV has renewed Broadchurch for a third season, uh, which I suppose is good. Haven't seen the second season yet because it doesn't start here in the States until, uh, well, this Wednesday as of uh, March 4th, I believe, is the is when the second season starts here on BBC America. But if you start watching it, you know that there's a third season coming. And uh, the other uh, piece of news uh, is that uh, OWN, the Oprah Winfrey Network, has picked up four of their shows, four of their uh, Tyler Perry produced shows. I'm assuming this means for another season of each of these, but all the story that I read said was that it was 20 or so episodes more of each of these shows. The haves and the have-nots, If Loving You is Wrong, uh, Love Thy Neighbor, and For Better or Worse. So those, uh, if you're watching any of those, there will be more coming after... I think a couple of them are airing right now. A couple of them have seasons about to start up uh, soon. Uh, so uh, we were just talking about how Kate's a huge fan of all of those shows. <laughs> I know. I just I watched them religiously. And I actually was thinking as you were you were going through the list of the shows there, Jason, I love how I like to think that I watch like that. I'm very knowledgeable about TV because on the Televerse, the Sound of Sight TV podcast, we cover about 20 shows every week. But then I have to be reminded that, oh, there's just all there's just entire networks and channels that I just don't watch anything on them. Like, I'm I'm sure there's original programming on like Spike 
or some of these other networks. I just never watch anything on that channel. So, yeah, there's just it can't be done. I just have yes. to accept that it can't be done. It doesn't work well. So for you're me. admitting right here on the podcast that you did not watch all 352 scripted shows that aired in 2014. <laughs> I know. I'll try to do better next year, guys. I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, speaking of needing to cut down on your TV watching, you need to cut down on the amount of shows that there's the possibility to watch. Yeah, but on that note, every once in a while there's a show that pops up, like like recently, Girlfriend's Guide to Divorce uh, on Bravo, which I thought was just going to be another reality show until all of a sudden I was like, wait, I know those actors. That's a real – that's an actual show. It's a thing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I hear it's good. It was. And we watched the premiere. I got behind. <laughs> it was really good. Or Hindsight on VH1. You're like, oh, VH1 has scripted programming too. Okay. Or uh, I've been watching Fortitude on Pivot. Yeah. And yes, Pivot. That is a channel. <laughs> Don't hold my recommendation. Well, one of them. <laughs> I have another one coming. But yes, that's a real one that nobody's watching. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of them out there. Jason, do you have any other shows like that for you where you, you like forget they exist? I, I mean, when I was a kid, I used to watch six hours of TV a day and I, you know, lived on Leave it to Beaver, Andy Griffith and even the soaps, all my children in general hospital. And then when I got to college, I decided no more TV. So I actually stopped watching TV for a long time. And then I kind of eased my way back in by only watching shows that I thought I would really love. So like Seinfeld and even friends and different things. And I kind of still stick to that. Now I don't tend to go flip through the channels, but I'll have a set number of shows that I watch and it's fairly small, but I usually have some guilty pleasures in there. Like I was a huge bachelor fan for a long time there. Um, I've kind of weaned myself off of that one, but, uh, I don't know. I just, it was actually hard to come up with a huge number of shows to come on this podcast that I'm into right now, but there's a few. So that didn't answer your question at all. <laughs> I, no, I'm just excited that uh, for once when I'm coming on on this podcast, because I always love coming on TV Times 3, but the, the Venn diagrams of the stuff that I watch and the stuff, Jason, that you watch tend to almost never overlap in a way that I expect. And so I'm just glad that I can actually talk about all the shows at the time because I can't remember the last time that happened. That's always an interesting uh, thing uh, for the podcast is you never know how much TV or, or what anybody's watching at any given time. I usually watch enough TV that there's, no matter what, I've usually seen some of it. That's why, you know, usually having a guest like you on, Kate, is always good because you watch so much TV that there's likely to be crossover. Uh, but in this case, we ended up with crossover where one of the shows that we'll be talking about today, only you and Jason watch that I don't watch, so... That'll, uh, and know. it's the best one. <laughs> uh, uh, Jason, do you get a sense of what your audience is more into? Are, are, are they sort of skewed towards a certain type of show or does it cover the gamut? You know, I don't, I don't know. That would be an, an interesting question, uh, uh, like a, to do, <laughs> to, to pull the audience. Survey. <laughs> what do you listening right now uh, I start enjoy? Yeah. They want to hear about now. Yeah, what, what <laughs> shows do you enjoy us talking about most? Because uh, it, it does, you know, it, it changes so much from week to week. You know, like this week, it's, it's one thing. But last week, uh, well, last week we did the full spring preview, so... We didn't talk about as many shows in the primetime segment, but 
you know, last week we talked about Fresh Off the Boat, The Hundred, and Heart of Dixie. But then uh, the week before that, it was Arrow, Empire, Grimm, Twelve Monkeys, and The Walking Dead. So, you know. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> you know, you never uh, – sometimes it'll be – I mean, there's been times where we end up talking like all comedies that week. You know, another week where it's all genre stuff. But uh, for me, I I enjoy it because I get to talk about many different things. And with that, we'll start off the primetime segment. Uh, the first show on the list is The Flash, a season one, episode 14, Fallout, uh, which is the the last episode to air a couple weeks ago as the from when this podcast uh, will be coming out. Uh, and uh, still another, I think, week or two until we get new episodes again. And uh, we'll start with you, Jason. What... Uh, what do you think about the the Flash so far this season and the last, uh, you know, and the last few episodes, the uh, mm-hmm. last couple here with Firestorm? Uh, yeah, I I binge watched Flash a couple of weeks ago. I hadn't seen any episodes before that, and I think it, I don't think it's a top tier show personally, but it's so I'm I'm a comic geek from since the fourth grade, and I love. I, I totally geek out on it, and I think it's awesome how close it is to the comics, and the effects are great, and I just, uh, I, I feel like a little bit, this is just personal to me, but I feel a, a little bit, it's like a guilty pleasure, um, only because some of the other shows I watch feel richer and more, um, I don't know, adult, I guess, but um, this show really appeals to the kid in me, and uh so no I, dead I'm people loving getting it. their faces stabbed. Unfortunately, <laughs> not <episode>. yet. Uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, do you want me to talk about this episode too, or just in general? This episode, or this you episode. Know, any, anything, you know, anything leading up to it. Uh... I mean, I loved. I also always loved Firestorm, and I think it's really interesting how it's two characters melded together that don't necessarily get along, and to see how that dynamic is. Um, in the comics, uh, it's more like it was at the end of this episode where you can always hear Professor Stein talking and, and, but Ronnie has control of the body and, uh, I like it that there's conflict between them and I, I, in the comics, his power is that he can, I think he has control over non-organic matter so he can make things change shapes. But I, I was wondering why they didn't really do that on the show. I think it's either because that would just be too powerful and it would be hard to come up with a way to stop him or it would just be too tough for the effects too too expensive or maybe both but here he's just kind of fiery and i don't know i i I still totally enjoyed seeing that character in fact i heard that firestorm was going to be on the flash and that's what got me to go binge watch it just so i could be caught up to see how they would handle this character and uh, i was pleased and i like i like all the characters i like the I think they're really um, likable and fun to watch. And I like that they, like I said before, they have nods to the comics. Like they call them speedsters like they do in the comics and time travels in the co- in Flash comics and reverse Flash is the, the yellow man in yellow. He's totally his arch villain. So it's really thrilling to see all of this realized uh, on the screen. And you know what? I almost, I prefer that it is sort of, I, I hope people don't take offense to this, but I feel like it's sort of juvenile, but I prefer that because comic, you know, superhero comics can be like that. And so it's just really comic booky. And, um, and so I enjoy it. 
not everything <laughs> has to be super dark. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's fun. And I don't watch Arrow, and I hear that's darker. Yeah, that's definitely uh, swings to the darker side of the scale. Mm-hmm. How about you, Kate? What do you think of The Flash? Well, I, I absolutely agree. I wouldn't say for me that it's juvenile. It doesn't feel juvenile to me, but I also might just have more baggage with that term. Um, but for me, what it is, it's the the tone is infectious. There's so much energy on the show, and I absolutely a hundred percent agree. Under a hundred percent agree. I promise I can speak. Um, that you know, we don't need to have all doom and gloom everywhere. It's been one of the really great elements of this past season of TV for me is with with Blackish and with Fresh Off the Boat now, but also the big one for me is Jane the Virgin, and the two best network you know, our our longs this year have been Jane the Virgin and The Flash, as far as I'm concerned. And Jane the Virgin for me is like next level, but Flash I think is also really good. And it's, again, it's that uh, there's an element of whimsy. There's fun. These are people dealing with significant and serious situations. And I think they've done a pretty good job with that. I think with Caitlin and with, uh, with Ronnie, they did, you know, they've, they've handled that well with the various, you know, uh, Barry and his mom and his dark past, they, they they managed to incorporate those elements while allowing the characters to be optimistic and to be uh, positive people. And this notion that dark and brooding equals quality television is something I don't agree with uh, necessarily. I don't think it's an, an inherent one to one relationship. So I just it's refreshing for me to have a show that cares about uh, energy and fun and ridiculous nicknames from time to time because <laughs> those people exist too. Essential. Let's see them on TV too. <laughs> okay. There's one thing I want to um, sort of talk about. So I, when I say juvenile, I, I don't necessarily mean that as an opposite of dark, but for example, I mean, we're going to talk about better call Saul and at least so far, I don't think that's a very dark show, but it's super, intelligent and this show like it's also very um complex and this show is a little more black and white and things like i uh wade eiling general wade eiling he just comes in and shoots everything up and i wonder maybe i'm missing something but i don't think maybe we just don't know but it seems like those actions are sanctioned by the government and to me that just seems like improbable and also that Star Labs can just lock up these criminals without any due process. Um, it, it's no sort attention of, to it's, the fascism. Yeah, it's just simple. You know, that's, well, I guess yeah. I guess that's a better term. It's just more black and white. Well, there's there's yeah. there's certain things on the the show that you sort of just have to wave away. Yes, and not of course and not think about because yeah. I I always get stuck going, who's feeding all these people? Or mm-hmm. you know, like who's taking like down mm-hmm. the, down in the basement? Like they can't just you know live in this box. They are actual people that have abilities, so they they still function as you know mm-hmm. humans in such a way that you're like how how does this happen? And but that's the stuff you're you're like not supposed to to think about. But I I even think about that type of stuff in that uh, on some respects you have like these people terrorizing the city and then all of a sudden they're not terrorizing the city and nobody seems to go, Hey, what happened? What happened? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, where, where did they, what, what, who, or what was doing that? And, and why did it stop? Especially here more recently when 
the Flash is out and, you know, is not just, you know, where people, you know, there's some people that believe and some people that didn't believe until, you know, now pretty much everybody's seen him. And and now he's even taken down people like in front of the cops. And you're just like, wouldn't the cops say like, hey, where'd you where where did he take him? Where, where'd you go? <laughs> like, <laughs> but you're right. Like, if any of this happened in a comic, I wouldn't even think twice about yeah, it. But, but for just some like, reason, on a TV show, yeah, yeah. That, because over on the other side, on Arrow, they have like their own private prison for some of the bad guys. But it's run by Argus, which is you know, and so you you think of there being this, you know, this other secret government group that's you know taking control of of the you know of the prisoners and stuff like that here there's only three people working at star labs you know it's not yeah. like there's a, a secret group of people there so but those are the things that like take me off and go stop thinking about those come back to the fun <laughs> the fun mm-hmm. of uh of of the show and that's the thing for me is i just mm-hmm. enjoy it i look forward to it because i tend to lean towards uh, those types of shows anyways the you know the more action comedy adventure type of thing has always been the thing i i enjoy most so a show like this i you know i really like but sometimes i do, do you feel like they've introduced a lot of stuff really quickly like did you think that they would have gotten to time travel this fast yes I'm glad that they did, um, personally, <laughs> because as soon as they start talking about, oh, there were two people there and one is yellow, one's red. I mean, it just seems like the next logical leap. And especially given, you know, the if you look at superhero film as well as TV, I mean, that's just going back to Superman one. It's just been a part of you go so fast that, you know, it, it seemed really natural to me. So I I was not surprised by that. I'm glad they dove in that early. And I mean, for me, they even they even bigger one is can you think of any other show completely committing to super intelligent gorilla <laughs> in season one awesome yeah so great season one that's great <laughs> not god yeah. god <laughs> I, yeah i mean i've always wanted a flash movie and before i ever heard about this show and i was hoping that they would really go you know to the extreme with the kinds of thing he does in the comic and not make it grounded, but make it really fantasy based like this show is, which is awesome. And time travel is one of those things. So I'm glad, I mean, uh, other things that are like that I know he'll do at some point, this is probably a spoiler, but it's from the comics. He'll vibrate through solid matter right? yeah, yeah, and pass through it or explode it. And I don't know if the, the treadmill that he runs on is sort of a nod to this thing called the cosmic treadmill in the comics that he runs on to, I think to um, travel through time. And then he also, I think at some points the flash has been able to run as fast as the speed of light. I'm not sure about that, but I think so. So they have some stuff left to well, do. The, yeah. Well, the thing I like though, is that they've, is that they've, uh, having him grow in his abilities and learn new things as things arise mm-hmm. uh, th- throughout the series. So, mm-hmm. you know, one of my favorite shows as a kid was greatest American hero. Did you guys watch that? <laughs> yeah. This sort of reminds me of that a little bit. I hadn't thought of that until now, but yeah, he's learning kind of learning as he goes. Yeah. Cause he's, well, yeah. Cause he's sort of the, I mean, he's, he's a little better in 
when he's actually as the superhero because he's sort of the bumbling guy in <laughs> yeah in, he is better right ralph was pretty bad <laughs> uh the only other thing i want to make sure to give him credit for as talking about flash here is um i really like how they've handled uh iris because she started out not that great not very good at all actually but i like that <laughs> you know halfway through their first season they've already had barry you know come out and stop pining for her mm-hmm. and uh and, and and moved you know progressed that relationship forward because i feel like uh, a show like arrow struggled for so long with laurel before they you know found a better way to use her and so uh, we get a little bit of her here i like that there's easing back into mostly normal but still awkward but trying to get back you know i like the progression of that character and i think they've really improved the writing for that character as well as i think the performance has gotten better as an extension of that but so often there's a female character on these male-centric uh genre shows so i like that they're on on um on Flash, it's not just Caitlin. They've they realized they had an issue with Iris, and they started addressing it and improving her pretty quickly. Yeah, I, like t- I totally agree. Yeah, yeah, I hate when they draw those things out too long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, I think uh, I think that'll do it for the Flash, but uh, I think we're all enjoyed it, uh, and uh, we'll move on to the next show on the list, which I enjoyed quite a bit: uh, Marvel's Agent Carter. Uh, the last episode that aired, uh, season one, episode eight, Valediction, uh, which was the season finale. Kate, what did you think of Agent Carter? Oh, I had a lot of fun with it in general. Uh, I think it's even more than something like Flash. I think it's a lot of style over substance. And I would have liked to have gotten more substance. I actually kind of sometimes feel like a bad feminist for not liking it more than I do. Um, I'm just so glad that there is, it's depressing how glad I am that this show exists and how, how underserved that segment of the, of the comic book, but also just the genre and spy kind of fan base is for women. There's just, there's nothing, there's no one else going. So it's great that agent Carter exists. I just kind of wish they had done a better job with it. With the with a lot of the writing, but as when it comes to the action, when I mean I I really enjoy uh, Haley Atwell. I think she's great. Um, but as for this finale, go you know how the finale kind of comes together. Uh, I think that uh, you know Howard Stark when he comes back in and it's supposed to be such a big deal and he's there's this strong relationship that they're really drawing on for this finale between uh, him and uh, you know Peggy. Obviously, there's. They've built that up somewhat this season, but and, and there's the film, and there's a connection with Steve, but on the whole, I care way, way less about Howard Stark than I do, for example, about with Jarvis or even some of the other, frankly, rather poorly characterized uh, men on the show. I would have much rather, so much rather, uh, had spent time with, I can't remember her name now, best friend um, from you know the waitress <laughs> i would have much rather have spent time with her um and watched her get drawn into some sort of a heist or something with peggy than what we got with stark uh so so i was a little underwhelmed with some of that stuff as well as it was a little frustrating to me to see in the agent carter show to see agent carter put in the passive role um, in the in the climax, so I, I get that they're calling back to the to Captain America with the radio, and there's a definitely an emotional catharsis there. But 
I really would have liked to get to see her kick more butt in the finale and be more active in this. It seems like she kind of got uh, backgrounded a little bit here. Is that just me? I don't know. I think, uh, I don't know. I think a little bit, uh, I don't think that she really got background. I mean, when they show up, she's the one directing where everybody should go and do what. And, uh, and, and she's the one that goes for the, you know, for the radio tower. And, uh, I, I mean, a lot of it is built on the story arc that they created, which uh, started showing, you know, the series started off with that, you know, the scene from the movie uh, where she's on the radio with, you know, Captain America in the plane. And then they ended that with, you know, Stark, uh, you know, flying a plane into, uh, you know, heading for New York. Uh, You know, so I think that worked uh, on, you know, that story arc kind of worked. I think uh, in between, I think it would have been, more interesting to find out a little bit more about like the Russian girls training camp. Uh, you know, they, they kind of mm-hmm. hint at type of that type of stuff. I mean, you have to have read stories and interviews and stuff like that to really know what that is, you know, as the, you know, the precursor to the black widow program, because they don't really, you know, I, you're, you're sort of left to, you know, make those connections yourself, but with not a whole lot uh, of information. But then, I knew as soon as Dottie was introduced that you know, there was going to be a fight scene between her and and Agent Carter, you know, before the end of uh, before the end of the series, which we got, you know, in the finale. I I just really enjoyed it. I I thought it worked really well to set up sort of this world, and I think that they could do more sort of the things that you would like to see if they actually do a second season, because uh, now. You know, she's, you know, she goes from, you know, they also did the, you know, she goes from walking in where nobody really sees her other than, you know, asking her, you know, to get make copies or get get their coffee or answer the phones or whatever to they all uh, applaud her uh, when she comes in at the end. Uh, So I think in a in a second season, she would be a little bit less, you know, she would be able to be a little bit more in the forefront, even without having to make it. Uh, like she was uh, on her own secret mission for Howard Stark so that, you know, she could actually be on a mission uh, because, you know, the SSR wouldn't, uh, you know, wouldn't put her out there like that. I don't know. I just, uh, I really look forward to it every every week. Uh, I thought it made for a nice, uh, you know, sort of fill-in break uh, between half seasons of uh, Agents uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I really hope, uh, you know, like you said, (laughs) I really hope... uh, uh, that we get more of this so that it it's not just this in in the especially in the comic book uh sort of world of things you know more female led uh is uh, is good in my book too so yeah i mean it's uh it's still going to be a little wild till we get uh what aka Jessica Jones on Netflix which is sort of the only other in at least in this in the in the Marvel uh, world yeah. there of uh, of stuff uh, coming anytime soon <laughs> that, that we know of. Yeah, I mean, there are different versions of this show that I think I like better than what I ended up watching. Like, I I, I love the version of the show that is basically the Avengers with Peggy and Jarvis, which we got a couple episodes of that early on. Uh, I did really like the the pilot, actually. I, would, I think I like that one the best. I think it was like the pilot and then the finale I liked the best. Um, but yeah, um, and and then there's I like 
you know, Peggy, I like the, the version of the show that's basically alias where Peggy having to keep, <laughs> you know, her spy life separate from, you know, Angie and who is the waitress friend and, and Dottie. And, you know, as soon as they introduce the place where she's staying, that they're going to have to end up sneaking boys in because it's like, they're going to be on the run from other agents. And then how do they get that path? Like, I like that more hijinky kind of version of the show as well. Um, I just, something you were saying, uh, Jason, really struck a chord with me where it's like, this feels like now that all of this is out of the way, in season two, the show can begin, which is kind of how I felt about season one of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., where they were just, they started the show and then they're just kind of killing time until Captain America Winter Soldier came out so that the show could really start. Um, and that's sort of how I feel about the way that this whole season has come together. There's some some nice moments, some really fun uh, sort of fabulous outfits and hair and makeup and I well, love all that yeah. stuff. Well, I think boring, this, yeah. but well, I think this eight episode stretch uh, far sur- surpasses the first eight episodes of Agents of Shield. Oh yeah. Oh no, it definitely <laughs> does. No, it definitely, definitely does. Uh, but still, it, I have that same sense of okay, now we've laid the groundwork. It took longer than it should have. How about we actually give Enver Gyokai or Gyokaj something to do because he's a really, really good actor who gets nothing to do all season in these first eight, eight episodes. So it'd be, it, who knows if the show's going to come back. It had apparently got pretty terrible ratings, uh, but if it does come back, yay. And I hope they can do more. Cause I think there's a lot here that could be made. Maybe that's just my only issue with the show is I liked it, but I feel like I could love this show if it, if a few pieces click together a bit better. All right. And Jason, you didn't watch, but uh, being it sort of comic book based, did yeah. it ever, uh, did you ever think about watching? Or yeah, I might. Um, I, I'm totally spoiled now, so no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, I might Spoiler go back alert! And, and watch Agent it Carter all. doesn't die. I <laughs> I did watch Shield. I've seen every episode of that, and I'm definitely looking forward to um, these Mar- Netflix Marvel shows. And I'll, I'll probably go back and watch Agent Carter too. Yeah, but I just haven't gotten around to it yet. Yeah, overall, I think it worked. I mean, it could have been a little better here and there. I just really, <laughs> it was one of the shows that I wanted to watch almost immediately each week. So, uh, and, uh, but then, like I said, things that fall on that more fun action adventure scale of things are, are where I tend to go to first anyway. So that's cool. Yeah. You guys are actually making me want to go, go watch it more. I mean, I did see that it wasn't doing that well in the ratings. So I wonder, I thought maybe it wasn't that good, but it sounds like it's pretty good. Yeah, it's definitely fun. And you're absolutely right, Jason. That's a great way to tell if a show is actually <laughs> good is, do you want to watch it? And like you, for me, uh, as the first part of my week is crazy. So I spend the second half of my week watching all of the TV. Um, but Agent Carter was usually one of the ones I would go to first. You know, as I was like building up to watch some of the more intense stuff, I would, you know, I, I would usually get to it early in the week. So it was one of the first ones I was watching too, yeah. despite all of my quibbles. Yeah. Well, well, for me, as, as I've mentioned before, you know, working nights, uh, a lot of times uh, I'm recording stuff anyways, but there are shows like, you know, I'd watch, I'd try and and fit in The Flash and Agent Carter before I had to leave for work. Like, you know, just like watch those mm-hmm. and then just get up and leave so that I, and just barely squeak in on time. Uh, you know, that type of stuff where I'm not, so, you know, I'm enjoying them so much. Uh, same, you know, on Wednesdays, it'd be like Arrow in the Hundred. 
uh, you know, the same, same type of thing where uh, I'm enjoying them so much. I don't want to wait till I get home from work. I want to watch them now. And so, yeah, that's the, that's, that's the key uh, uh, for me is, is where is, do you want to watch them instantaneously? Or if you have recorded them, what are the first things off that you want to watch? Cause uh, although there are some things that are, are really good, but you just have to be like in the right headspace to be able to, to watch it. You can't be in the, you can't like be in the mood for something silly and fun. And then, and then watch the walking dead. (laughs) (laughs) Not a good plan. (laughs) But speaking of silly and fun, parks and rec uh, came to an end uh, with the, the last two episodes uh, of season seven, episode 12, one last ride, part one and episode 13, one last ride, part two, uh, which I thought was one of the, one of the better series finales of things I've ever seen. I thought they did. Uh, I mean, I thought, you know, they ended season six so strong that you were like, are they going to like flounder around and, and uh, you know, is it going to be like one season too much? And this whole season was just fantastic. I think, and uh, they really took sort of the idea of the way they ended season six with that little time jump and then did that for all the characters to give you like into the future, like what became of a lot of these, uh, a lot of these characters. And I just, I pretty much enjoyed every second of, of the whole final season. What about you, Kate? Oh, I had so much fun with this, this last season. I think the last season of Parks and Rec is a real return to form after a show that I still really liked watching and watched every single week in the previous season, but uh, in season six, but certainly did not feel like it, it was starting to feel its age. You know, it's, you're getting in, you know, as we get into season six, it's like, okay, yeah, we get it. We know who these characters are and you're not doing enough with them to stretch them or create new interesting scenarios that make me still either I buy them for the characters or it's the same note over and over again. That's, the real trouble with with uh, comedies, especially you know more sitcom ones, multi multi cams have even I think a bigger problem with that maybe. But uh, but with Parks and Rec, I think this is an excellent finale. I think it was so funny because you said um, uh, now for something light and fun, and for me this was just like trying not to cry, <laughs> laughing, trying not to cry. Uh, so yeah, it was a very I, you know I think it's important to note when you're talking about comedy finales. Comedy finales are really hard. There's not very many good, let alone great, sitcom series finales. Like, there's the Mary Tyler Moore show, there's Cheers, but, like, let's not talk about the Seinfeld finale, right? And let's not talk about <laughs> some of the other all-time great shows. You know, it's, it's, it's hard to know how to end a comedy so they basically just did a drama because they did a two-part <laughs> finale here and they had sentimental send-offs for each of their characters. There's a lot of really funny stuff here, but they really uh, steered into the skid with this by just going straight up sentimental with it. And because I love these characters so much, I don't care. I was so glad to find out that eventually they're all okay. That's what I needed to see. So I don't care if it's not realistic. I just loved watching it. Yeah, I, I mean, they they just did... I mean, the whole setup of Leslie going around and every time she met up with somebody new, you jumped into the future of what what happened for them, you know, later on in life. And uh, and then how some of those intersected with other characters would show up and and all all the all the different things. The best, I think, was that sort of epitomizes the, the way the show sort of worked was 
uh, Gary, who they finally – he accidentally got his real name in this mm. final season <laughs> and then goes on to become the mayor forever until he dies, uh, you know, at when he was like 100 years old. Uh, but then they misspelled his name on his tombstone. I mean, <laughs> you know, that's just that's just, uh, and, you know, it seems it just seems about right. Uh, but all the little things they did, uh, and then you know, within that, his wife, played by Christy Brinkley, still looks like Christy Brinkley <laughs> even when he's a hundred. <laughs> you know, yeah, he looks good. Yeah, <laughs> such a fun little re- running gag. And there's a bunch of those those uh, running gags throughout the episode. I mean. And that in that combination of of Gary, you know, gets a wonderful life, and then just after, it's like in the afterlife, you you get stuck with the wrong name once again. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, those are that blend of, of those two elements. I think really does work very well. I like I loved things like uh, teach yourself, which is preach yourself, is one of those things that I think is going to really live on amongst TV fans at least as a, something people take away from the series. Uh, sort of like I want to go to there from 30 Rock and um, and so I like that they brought that in again here at the finale but did it in a more sentimental way I mean it, that really you know the, the, the other elements like that really did come together for me in a satisfying way here and and with April and Andy's uh, flash forward getting you know some more some serious issues here for a moment about she doesn't want kids and he does and how did they resolve that uh, you know I thought that they took at least they hinted at some significant life choices in those flash forward scenes, even if maybe they didn't, you know, a different show would then have April and Andy get divorced and be depressed <laughs> for 10 years. And, but this is Sparks and Rack, And thankfully they didn't do that to me. Uh, that was a, was that a, a backhanded slap at how I met your mother. Oh God. <laughs> Prime example. The freaking how I met your mother finale. Just, ah, you're, why are you making me angry? Nathan? <laughs> In, in thinking, the, okay, I'm just thinking of Ron paddling a canoe, and I'm good. Yeah, again. just okay. like the big smile as he's paddling a canoe. Like, yes, he's he's working for the government again, but in like the perfect job ever uh, for him. Uh, I liked in the I liked that we uh, like in this final season we found out that, <laughs> that Ron had like four brothers, but nobody mm-hmm. ever knew about. Uh, they were all working at his company, and then it got to a certain point at his company where he's just like, yeah, I'm done with this. I need something else. I, I like the you know the endings that they gave uh, all the different uh, uh, you know all the different characters with you know Leslie becoming governor and she's totally president, right? Or <laughs> at some point like ex president? What do you think? Well, or, that's or the. That? I mean, I mean, that's what they're sort of. I mean, when you have, you don't really think of uh, a secret you know a secret service agent comes and says. That's, I mean, that's what the scene says to you, right? A Secret Service well, agent just said. Well, but it could said, have been Ben. Yeah, I know you don't know who or what, uh, uh, beca- you know. But it 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 does seem like. Uh, I mean, I suppose that you know a governor might also have security, or something too. But it just it definitely felt more like that type of scene. Definitely felt like it was uh, way off in the future that one of them had become president, and it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, or something. I think that's what they were at least sort of hinting at, or to make you know give people something to talk about. Yeah. Uh, but uh, just uh, yeah, a lot of the the different things that they did uh, in the final season and then in the final episode. Like uh, you know, for me personally, I'm really looking forward to in the future when they build the giant haystack around the space needle. 
and mm-hmm. uh, you know all the all the different things they did over the course of the season that were uh, jokes at uh, things that have happened you know in the future, especially when they would put random celebrities together and that the feud of between so and so and so and so was you know was incredible, or you know that's a you know nothing like that. Uh, they they'd had a lot of uh, good future jokes in there along the way as well. And uh, yeah, I just, uh, for a whole season, it really, it really came together and really culminated uh, outstandingly in this final two episodes. Do you know why they chose now to end it? I think they barely got renewed last year. Yeah. I think they chose to end it because as Kate sort of alluded to in season six, they had kind of run out of stuff and they sort of, I think they sort of got renewed on, NBC didn't have anything else <laughs> and that they yeah. had, and that they had this interesting idea of, of the time jump of popping ahead a couple years into the future, which gave them uh new, sto- you know, new stories to tell and new places to put the characters and new mm-hmm. paths to put people on uh, without having to actually take that two years to do it. But, and, and it turned out they did, they had a great idea <laughs> of, of, of how to do uh how to give it some creative juice. Yeah, it really did. I mean, they had they had a lot of fun with that 2-year <laughs> with that 2-year time jump. But yet and then but then from there the story, you know, the way that they, you know, a lot of people ended up sort of leaving uh, Pawnee or, you know, kind of separating and and heading out to various different places, but it it just uh, yeah, it just worked really really well. And uh with that, I think we'll move on to uh uh, the next show on the list, the The Walking Dead, I think is the slight the, tonal shift here. <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> <laughs> there were a couple of fun moments yes. in this episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, season five, episode eleven, uh, "The Distance," which had our uh, our crew of people uh, coming in contact with uh, a new person and being very skeptical <laughs> of their of what they wanted, which you 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 got to figure. Seems about right after what this group has uh, been through, and the various uh, uh, groups that they have met. But uh, what did you uh, what did you think of this episode, Jason? And uh, you know the prospects of what it uh, means when they that we'll see uh, tonight, as we're recording this on a Sunday afternoon, when they actually reach the new uh, this this destination. I thought it was an amazing episode. It was one of my favorites this season. Um, yeah, I mean, this show is divided among two people. You either have read the comic or you haven't, and they're really hewing closely to the comic right now. So I think people who've read the comic have a much different um, view. And I'm not going to spoil any more besides that. But it, I love this episode. There were, like I was saying, there were a couple of fun moments. My favorite was Abraham saying in the RV, we're going to make it, we'll make it. And then you cut to them not making it, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And then you got Aaron inviting everyone to f- Friday dance nights. And then the camera pans across to this, like, ragged, not at all amused crew. <laughs> so I, I thought, yeah, like you said, you know, if this guy had come along uh, in season two or season one, he he's just seems like the most trustable guy you'd ever want to meet. And I think everybody watching would say, yeah, give it a shot, you know, but now after Woodbury terminus and even the hospital, 
uh, it's like, no, I don't blame Rick for punching him in the face for no reason. <laughs> you know, it seemed like most people, I think that watch that might have at the, you know, the, the harshest critics would say, well, that was maybe a bit excessive, but I kind of see where he's coming from. So I thought it, it was really interesting for the show to bring us to a place where we could, we could feel that way. You know, I mean, I personally, I think Rick is, uh, going overboard, but I, uh, don't totally blame him since he has kids to protect and what he's gone through. And I love watching Andrew Lincoln play this guy who's been through so much. And he, he, he's changed the way he, he moves and acts and looks and it's just awesome to watch. And the last scene where he, his eyes softened when he heard the kids uh, crying, I actually teared up a little bit. <laughs> so it was great. I loved it. And finally, uh, the last thing is I think this episode had some really awesome zombie moments with the Glenn plowing through the herd of zombies and the overhead shot was awesome. And then uh, shooting the zombie in the face with the flare. We act. I actually got to watch this episode in a room full of fans. There were like 50 of us and also Greg Nicotero, who does the special effects. And uh, he was very kind of stoned faced through the whole thing. I think he was he watches it with a critical eye, wishing that certain things could be even better. But <laughs> like when everybody in oh the room, man, the go- makeup on that zombie is really yeah, off. <laughs> <laughs> no, he said that the flare zombie, he wished that he would have, uh, stayed up a little bit longer and not fallen down so quick. So just little things like that. But, um, you know, when everyone in the room goes, Oh yeah, you can see him crack a little bit of a smile. So that was cool. <laughs> and then fine. And then the big thing, of course, well, I don't know. Should I, I don't want to cover all this, the subjects, but there's the gay kiss. I won't say too much more about that, but that was pretty significant. I thought. Yeah, that was but, awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's the number one watch show on TV that isn't sports, right? The walking dead. So <laughs> I love that the number one show on TV is like, yeah, we're gonna have a gay kiss. We don't care. No, it's not a joke. No, well, it's, the, it's not. It's the too number hot one people. show in the in the demo. Yeah, kind of. But I it's guess. that's huge though. And uh, the it's something I talked about on the Sunset Walking Dead podcast for when we were talking about this episode last week. Uh, but I don't care. I'm going to talk about it more here because it is a big deal. Because think of the number of shows that aren't quote unquote gay shows shows focusing on primarily on entirely gay characters and exploring that that I guess subculture that that you know the world of characters who are a big part of their life is that they are gay that's like a big part of what the show is and its mission statement now put those shows in one category in your mind and think of every other show can you think of a kiss like that on any of their shows on TV right now or has aired recently cuz I really can't. Yeah, I don't know. I can't think of any. My memory sucks, but. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure we, people may, you know, give me a hard time on Twitter, but. Yeah, I'm trying to trying to think. I, I'm thinking uh, probably of the, you know, the, the relationship on uh, brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that being. Uh, I mean, have, have they let Andre Brower kiss his husband on Brooklyn Nine-Nine yet? Because. I can't remember it, but I, I haven't seen some of the episodes this season. I don't. I can't. I you know. I don't. I don't remember. And then again, you know, there's almost nobody watching that, unfortunately. <laughs> but but still, just that's a main character, mm-hmm. and we've met the husband several times, played by Mark Evan Jackson, who's hilarious. 
Um, but I can't really remember any, and it fits with the characters because they're not very, you know, PDA kind of characters. But still, even shows that have a main character who is gay, it's 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 a big deal. And so I I love that the show uh, The Walking Dead is is does not care, and like the, with the direction and the you know the framing of that shot too. It's yeah, this is happening now. Yes, this is why he freaked out when the flare went 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 up, mm-hmm. and because really he loves t- somebody. Absolutely, because mm-hmm. the person he loves more than anything else in the world, uh, he thought was in danger. And so, and again, to not define the character about you know in that way, because I know that there's probably a subset of people watching going like, oh, I thought Aaron was interesting. You tricked me into liking a gay guy, you know. Like, it's, <laughs> so yeah. I loved just the way that was all handled. Um, as for the rest of the episode, uh, yeah, I think you really keyed into a significant thing here, Jason. As far as I'm concerned, uh, so I'm concurring. You know, you know you know co-signing with you on this if you haven't read the comics i think it would be very easy to have a very different interpretation of this episode and really how the alexandria arc so far like with the with the from a friend water bottles and all that uh, is playing and because people who read the comics know whether or not the writers are screwing with the audience yet again Mm -hmm. and And maybe they're screwing with us comic readers we don't know they could be. They could be. But um, so so with the show continually, what feels like continually, consistently, the last three people they've killed off have been the more, the most optimistic and hopeful of the group. And so it's just been getting darker and darker and more oppressive. Yeah. And so when a, a beacon of hope shows up here on the show, just like with the music box and there's a sunrise and then there's this guy who says, I can offer safety and all of these other, and parties, dance parties. <laughs> um, as a viewer, someone unfamiliar with the comics, I don't trust the show and I'm actually kind of annoyed at the show for teasing me with uh, safety, you know, and with optimism and with hope in this world. So, because um, that, that's, I sort of feel like I have to default to, it's not for reals. If it is for reals, then that completely changes my perspective on it, and, and I and I love it. I have a lot more positivity towards it, but I just don't really trust the writers right now. But then the show's over, though, right? If, well, that, exactly. If, that's the thing. Like, so, unless they become the people that go out and start find, trying to find people uh, to to bring to this uh, the safe haven, that's the yeah. That's the only could. thing for me in this show is is I know. That, you know, going forward, they have to keep coming in to conflict with people. Otherwise, you know, what's the what's the show? But it also is starting to grate on me that is it possible that there's no other group in that 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 has survived that has become like their group, you know, that sort of the good guys that, uh, you know, you know, protect their own, but have, you know, helped out others, too, because. Every group that they've come along, uh, Woodbury, you know, run by a psycho, you know, uh, you know, then you have the cannibals and you, you have, you know, all these, all these different, uh, sort of safe havens. And, and so you kind of look at it and go, well, if this is an actual safe haven, then why would they ever leave? Like, what would be the point of, yeah. I mean, you know, one of my favorite things about the show and the comic is over time, it really changes and, you know, the setting changes, the situation changes. The only thing that, that stays the same are some of the characters and the zombies. And I, I think that's awesome. So, um, and I, you know, I think whatever happens, uh, you know, it's been so 
I mean, I would say this show has been uneven, but in my opinion, it's been getting better and better as it goes along more consistently good. That's my opinion. Not everyone shares that, but I do. And, uh, so I think that even if there is a huge change and this does end up being a safe place that I trust them to make it interesting to watch. Well, even because it won't ever be completely safe where they just don't ever have to worry about zombies anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Sorry about that. Skype leg there. Um, yeah, even at the farm, there's like a CD underbelly of the walkers in, in the in the barn, you know. So where you can't, it seems like it's, it should be great, but even there, you can't. You know, the the person in charge, Herschel, is lying to everybody, all the new people who are there, and uh, and endangers them. Uh, even mm-hmm. though we love Herschel, so so the, if there isn't random CD underbelly to Alexandria, it'll be so wonderful and so refreshing. So uh, I, that's what I just kind of have to hope because otherwise it's just wash, rinse, repeat, wash, rinse, repeat. And uh, at this point, like you say, Jason, I agree. This, I think the show has gotten consistently better, um, especially recently over the Gimple era. I think it's yeah, really totally. gotten a lot better. And so mm-hmm. hopefully they're not gonna, you know, cause I just feel like, uh, I feel like Charlie Brown with the uh, football, <laughs> and that's that's why I just don't trust. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the problem with the zombie apocalypse as an ongoing show is there aren't, you know, a lot of diff- things to hang story on. Like there's no society, there's no uh, jobs, there's no not as many complex kinds of relationships and power structures and, you know, things like that. There's just survival and people whether you have to figure out whether you can trust them or not so i think it's it, it's actually been pretty amazing that they have had as as much storytelling as they have i don't know that i'm also not i don't feel like i'm creative enough to write a tv show so maybe i just can't imagine how they can do it but uh i do feel like there's some repetition in this show but i think in part that's just because it's the zombie apocalypse <laughs> especially when it's the zombie apocalypse and it's never been set up with the idea of this group is on, you know, on a trek to find the cure. Right. You know, they, they pretty much blow that up. They don't care. <laughs> they pretty much blow that up in the first six episodes. Mm-hmm. There's, uh, and then they, they tried to hint at the, you know, maybe there was, uh, you know, something, you know, with the Eugene or, or what have you, but you know, they, they quickly got rid of that, uh, you know, scenario as well. Uh, but I, I don't know. I almost think it might be, you know, it would be kind of interesting to see like, this group like not deal well with actually being in a semi safe place that doesn't have. Yeah. Because they're so frazzled. <laughs> they're, they're like so used to like and savage at this point. Almost. Like even when they were at the prison, they knew, you know, they even had, you know, some sort of not a great plan in case they had to escape, but they, they did have some things set up where, you know, they weren't exactly f- totally feeling safe there. Uh, you know, they knew there was potential problems. And so if there is, you know, this with the big walls and there actually is some semblance of safety and there doesn't seem to be anything nefarious going on, uh, at, you know, seeing Rick try to, like, decompress or something might be mm-hmm. <laughs> it might be kind of interesting. Of, uh, PTSD. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm definitely looking forward to see, you know, what they've got going here with the – they they definitely set it up as, you know, when they have him hear, you know, the sound of children over the wall, as yeah. opposed to it's a tape recording. Yeah, as, as opposed to the quietness <laughs> they had talked about, 
at all the other places, uh, it made it, uh, you know, it made it seem like this is going to be different in some respect. So uh, I guess we'll find out uh, uh, later on tonight. I just wanted to say one more thing about this uh, gay relationship. We we had Ross Mar- Marquand on for an interview and asked him about the response. And, you know, I read in the news that there was uh, – there were people complaining on Twitter and saying they were going to quit the show and stuff. And he said he was shocked at some of the language that was used and everything, but you know, that he also had a lot of support. And so I talked about that on the podcast and then we had one listener write in and say, I'm confused because when I go on Twitter, I only see support. I haven't seen anything negative. So I went on and looked and it was, I, I found a couple, but overwhelming majority of at least public, you know, comments about that episode were positive, which was awesome. And I think sometimes the news just, of course, just picks up negative things and amplifies them. But at least if you go out and look, it's mostly a really positive response. And I think that's awesome. Wait, the news focuses on the negative? <laughs> yeah, believe it or not. <laughs> Oh man, that's a revelation. I had not noticed. Breaking news: the news folks on the news. Oh, spoiler alert! Uh, I'll never be able to watch the news again, knowing that it's only going to be negative. Yeah, which is probably why I don't really watch a lot of. The I know. News I just watch Daily with, Show. You know, and I'm so heartbroken that John Stewart's leaving. Uh, yeah, it's like, where do you get your news? Uh, Daily Show, last week tonight. Yeah, like, yeah. Nightly show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that good? Oh, it's I mean, so good. It's really? wonderful. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Completely different format. Uh, the, the the panel discussion format works so well. It's underrepresented voices uh, getting to discuss topics at least somewhat. Uh, I kind of wish it was like an hour to they could really dive in with some of these things. But uh, it's really funny and it's it's long overdue. So I'm I'm you know it's it's. It started out solid, and I think it's only gotten better over the past few uh, weeks and months. Yeah, you should check it out. Awesome. Yeah, well, that sounds like uh, the sort of the problem that I have with even some of when I do watch the news or the news talk shows or stuff. Everybody feels that uh, we have to have the short bite, the short segment, and then go on to something else. Uh, and I wish that uh, I wish the regular news would because just when a, a conversation gets interesting, they're like, well, we got to go to break. And when we come back, we're talking about <laughs> something completely different. And you're like, but I want to hear more about this. Yeah. We were That's just why John, scratch John Oliver is so amazing on last yeah. week tonight, taking That's a subject that you would even think they wouldn't even give a small segment to some of the subjects he yeah, talks about. Like Ten minutes on it or He's something. so great. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Those have been really good. I always love when they say, and finally, topic. And I look at the like the, the time, and I'm like, oh, there's still 15 minutes. This is going to be awesome. Whenever <laughs> it's a 15-minute segment, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, so good. All right. And with that, we'll move on to the last show on the list, uh, Better Call Saul. Uh, the last episode that aired was Season 1, Episode 4, Hero. And uh, it's a show that uh, I don't watch, but both Kate and uh, Jason watch it. And... Uh, We'll start with you, Kate. What uh, what are you thinking about uh, Better Call Saul here in the first few episodes? Let's start with you, Jason. Why don't you like life and <laughs> good things? Why don't why I like you life and good things? Better Call Saul? I, I knew which Jason you meant. On that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had a feeling. Um, yeah. No, I'm just giving you a hard time. Obviously, there's so much TV no, out there. Well, possibly that's, catch that's it one all. thing is there's a, there's a lot of TV. Uh, I'm already watching you know, a ton of things, and I didn't watch Breaking Bad. The idea of a 
you know, sort of a precursor of learning about one of those characters, you know, <laughs> leading up to the, the stuff of Breaking Bad didn't really interest me, although it does seem like a show that you don't necessarily, you, you obviously don't have to have watched, but if you have watched, you you may see things here and there that point to something in the future. I think uh, it would be really interesting to know what a person who hadn't seen Breaking Bad thinks of this show, so I challenge you to watch the first episode and say, the, tell us what you think. Yeah, actually watch the show and... Uh, yeah. yeah I, well, I kind of planned on it, and then for some reason, it just didn't get around to it. And then it was, you know, we're like four weeks in, and and you know, I'm three weeks behind on Jane the Virgin, and and mm. uh, you know, <laughs> and stuff. And then and then now it's March, and like sixteen things are about ready to start. You just wait till April when all the March shows are still going, and all the April shows have have begun as well it's gonna kill us it's gonna yeah. kill us well at least um, right but, now in march we have uh you know with the february sweet period being over at least there'll be some shows that'll be taking sort of breaks as some of these new shows are coming back in but yeah april when everything gets up for its final swing plus all the new stuff that started uh yeah that's uh <laughs> yeah, I do think it would be fascinating, though, to hear what some like for you to watch Jason to watch uh, all all of Better Call Saul and then watch Breaking Bad, because one of the things that <laughs> and, and like write about it, it would be great. I would love to read that article because one of the things that I absolutely and I was leery about Better Call Saul because I was like, why do we let's just not, you know, Breaking Bad is one of the all time great shows. Let's not even touch it. You know, it's just a bad idea. But I'm so glad to be wrong because over the course of Breaking Bad, especially because they have a lot of the same production team and writers and directors, they really honed a visual and narrative style with the show. There's so much use of um, long takes and a very distinct look and feel to the pacing of especially like the comedy uh, scenes like these in, in the pilot. There's a courtroom scene that's just there's so much silence and it's so expertly used. But um what, what Better Call Saul has done is continue that style and continue that tonal and narrative um, or cinematic language, televisual language, whatever, but to tell, to explore a very different kind of character and to, you know, to, to explore and have a different sort of worldview even uh, than, than focusing on Walter White, focusing here on, uh, on, on Jimmy. It's just uh, Jimmy Miguel. It's, it's, it's so interesting to me to to see that same narrative language and all like this this well-oiled machine that by the end of uh, Breaking Bad, even you know by the season two of Breaking Bad, uh, let alone by the end of Breaking Bad, it had come together and they all know each other and their working style so well that they you know it, this is a show that got off the ground really really quickly um, by episode uh, the pilot is is really good but even by episode four here. Uh, this is a show that has so much confidence and uh, is is telling an interesting story in the way that usually it takes shows a couple seasons to get to. Um, I don't know if you feel the same way about it, Jason, but I, I'm really loving loving this season. Um, and I'm so glad that I was so wrong about Better Call Saul. <laughs> well, when they said that they were thinking about making it a half hour comedy, that's when I really thought, oh, I'm not so sure about that, but they decided to come back a little bit more towards what they know and do so well. And I think, yeah, it's so confident, like you said, and I love that it has the confidence to draw out the pace of certain things and focus on things that some shows wouldn't bother with. And it's, but it is lighter than Breaking Bad. And um, actually, 
one of my favorite things about Breaking Bad was how dark it was. Um, and so I think just because of that, I don't like Better Call Saul quite as much, but I love it. And it's probably, you know, it's one of my favorite shows on right now, probably only second to Walking Dead. And um, so, yeah, I, I totally I, I, I'm glad I'm just glad that the, this crew who knows how to make such great TV stuck to, stuck together and decided to make a sh- another show rather than just dispersing to the winds. Yeah, well, I mean, and again, this is episode four of season one. Who knows what it'll be once mm-hmm. it's had a chance to, you know, keep going. But people, you know, they say, let's make a show about Saul Goodman. I'm not interested. They say, oh, but we're going to make a show about Jimmy McGill, who he was before he was Saul Goodman. That is very interesting to me. Um, and so going that com- this completely other way with it, where he doesn't start out the series as Saul Goodman, that's going to be the progression we're going to watch. You could argue that Breaking Bad is the progression from Walter White uh, to... Um, to uh, oh Heisenberg. Heisenberg, right? <laughs> and I don't know that I agree with that, but you know, there's definitely... If, I think he was always Heisenberg, personally, but yeah. <laughs> but there's a conversation to be had there. This is yeah. very different, um, and so to have that same concept, if you want to say that's what Breaking Bad was, you could say that this is a similar concept, but the person that we're starting with and the person we're going to end with are very different. Uh, Jimmy or Saul will never be Walter White, and so to, to have that person at the heart, I think, is just has worked really well, and then to have so few other there are there are ties to the other show as well but it really is the heart of the show as far as I'm concerned is Jimmy and his brother and that's a, another fantastic completely original character and the performance by Michael McKeon has been great and then you add in Kim who's so much fun and then you add in uh, Hamlin who is just just so like he feels like uh, what was the guy who tripped over the carpet in Breaking Bad, he feels like that guy. Oh yeah, yeah, Ted. Yeah, Ted. Like, like there's, there's, there's obviously Mike Ehrmantraut who's there, you know, <laughs> who will tie in more. But to to really create an, another entire new world, it's it's been work, working really well. And the other person I'll I'll shout out is Michael Mando, who I was underwhelmed by in season one over Orphan Black, because uh, to, to see him get to be so much more interesting here. Uh, really has worked for me. So I just, you know, this whole episode, I had so much fun with the with the uh, billboard and and yeah. all all that came together. Yeah, did it's just, you? It's yeah, it's great. Did, did you know uh, in the the prologue? Did you uh, suspect what was really going on? Because I didn't. I was pleasantly surprised. Oh, did I expect them to do that? Yeah, the con. Start the way that they did. No, I mean that that Jimmy was actually totally in control of the whole situation. Because oh, I thought as episode, soon as the guy yeah. grabbed the watch, I thought, uh, oh, man, he's getting screwed over. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> as soon as as soon as he got him to give him money for you it, think, you kind of I, I was right like, then. oh, of course. Of course. Well, <laughs> as soon as he's like, well, maybe if you I was like, yeah. And then when you if you people who paid attention to the cast would have seen Mel Rodriguez, who, you know, I think I can speak for you, Jason uh, and, and Jason and say we loved Unenlisted. And if anybody didn't love him listed, I'm confused because he was great. Um, but as soon as it's a name, because I obviously recognize Kevin uh, Wiseman or Wiesman from uh, from Alias as, you know, the jerk. But um, but yeah, so to have as soon as, you know, if you anybody noticed the name going across the bottom, 
you know, and if he could, they could figure that out, then they would have figured it out as well. But no, as soon as he started, he managed to get money out of him. That made, that made sense to me. Uh, they did handle the earlier part of that pretty well though. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, yeah we, I didn't figure it out until the, he went back to his partner and their body language changed and everything. I was like, Oh yes. I and mean, that's so great because it sets you up to think, uh, here he is messing up again. And he sort of is messing up because he's doing a crime, but he, you want to see him succeed and he does. And then it was such a great sort of, uh, framing thing for, I, if, but I fell for it again with the billboard. I didn't know mm-hmm. what was going on until he gave that guy a five and mm-hmm. at the billboard. And I'm like, you got me again, but it was so great to know that once again, you think Saul's messing up. And my, one of my favorite moments in this episode was when his friend Kim, uh, says, or Hamlin says, you don't think anyone's actually going to buy this, do you? And she says, it's hard to say people love a hero. And then you can see in her eyes that he kind of just became her hero for pulling that, you know? (laughs) Yeah, no, that was a really fun moment. And, uh, yeah, it's nice. There's, there's these little triumphs that we get in, you know, cause he's so the little man, uh, against the, against life. You could even <laughs> say in a way that doesn't have the anger and the bitterness because, cause Jimmy, you know, or, you know, I don't know about Saul, but Jimmy right now doesn't have the same kind of, uh, ticking rage and no. inadequate fear of inadequacy and ego no. that we get early on with, with Walt. And so he, there's, he's more likable. Yeah, he's much more likable, but he's, he doesn't feel as bitter against these other people that maybe even he should. And right. so when he gets one over on them, I can enjoy that more wholeheartedly without, you know, being a, reminded of the edge of, of, again, anger underneath that. So it really lets you, again, enjoy these moments of triumph that we get in this episode. I mean, I almost feel bad because I like Jimmy better than I like Saul. And mm-hmm. so it's going to, I mean, I'm sure it'll be great, but right now I'm almost like, well, this guy's really sweet and he's going to turn into this creep kind of, Yeah, <laughs> he yeah, doesn't care about killing people, you know? Yeah. Yep. He's, it'll be an interesting journey. Any thoughts on Saul Goodman? I love it. Does that work for you? Yeah, totally. Yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah. I, it's the first time we... We'll find out where that name came from. And, and what, what do you ever listen to the um, official like Breaking Bad podcast or Better Call Saul? I, I've heard it's great, but I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet. It's really good because Vince Gilligan, who's the showrunner, and now he has a co-showrunner for this one. I forgot his name, but they, they're always on every week and they just talk about all the behind, behind the scenes stuff uh, for the shows. But uh, Vince knew early on right when Saul Goodman was introduced in Breaking Bad that that wasn't his real name because I guess someone said well or I guess it was Bob Odenkirk he said you know I'm Irish I'm not Jewish and he goes oh no Saul's not Jewish he just made up that name but I don't think we ever knew that in Breaking Bad right we didn't know that wasn't his real name so um I just think it's awesome that Vince did know it back then but didn't bother to tell us until now Mm -hmm. because it just shows how how much of a I don't know just how strong of the sense of character that they have in the writing. Well, has anything we've said, you know, convinced you to check it out, Jason? (laughs) Well, Jason saying that, you know, the show pulled one over on him a couple of times. That's always, always like that. Uh, When you watch as much TV as we do, Kate, uh, when a show can, when a show actually 
when you're watching it and and something happens and you go and you had just no inkling whatsoever that that was happening. That's a very special moment. <laughs> well, and when they, a show can do that and it doesn't feel like a cheat or it doesn't feel like you've been yeah. tricked, but you yeah. enjoy that. Yeah. They yeah, that kind absolutely. of stuff all the time on these shows. And it's it, little ingenious things like he, he, I can't, ex- I don't want to explain the whole thing because it would take too long, but um, Kate, you'll understand when he gets them to film the billboard and mm-hmm. s- stages that stunt, it, all at once gets him a lot of notoriety and makes him turns him into a hero and he's got his freaking billboard on the camera too so everyone knows to call you know knows just how number. to get a hold of him to hire him yeah, yeah. <laughs> so great and then then the other thing listening to you guys talk about is uh, the idea of pretty much anything that's like a spin-off or uh, a reboot or any or you know a remake it's a pre-hated <laughs> it's like the yeah. internet the internet comes out and just that's the dumbest idea ever that's just why would you ever do this and you know so to hear here's another it sounds like another example of a show that this is why you don't pre-hate things and just you know is uh you got to actually cuz you know there's a lot of things that you you look at just if you if you break it down to just you know, the log line for, for the show, it sounds idiotic. But once you see what they've done, how they do it, you know, yeah. and it, you know, it all, it all depends on the execution of it. Of totally. course, this could have been terrible, but mm-hmm. you know, it, it sounds like, you know, uh, according to you too, that it, it turned out to be really good. And so uh, that's uh, for me, I'm just a big fan of good TV. I don't care whether it's uh, you know a remake, a spinoff, a reboot, or whatever, I only care what the end quality is. And too many people seem to focus on the you know the ones that that aren't good and not the ones that are good, and totally forget that most shows that just start from nothing that aren't a remake or a reboot or a are spinoff <laughs> are also quite terrible. Yeah. So it it's it's uh, I don't really care what sparks the idea i only care whether it ends up being good or not the only thing that bugs me about it being a prequel is he's obviously older and i can't it's so distracting i wish somehow they could de-age bob odenkirk but you just have to let that go (laughs) if they if they would have really known what they were doing they would have aged him up filmed it yeah exactly (laughs) but and then with log lines like the log line for um breaking bad is like you know, high school teacher needs money, sells math with his ex student. Um, when I heard that, I didn't want to watch it and I didn't for like a season and a half, but then I just kept hearing how good it was. So I tuned in. This now makes, as far as I'm aware, three good prequel shows. Um, and I wouldn't yet put this with the other two, but, um, I think it's on its way to being there and you could argue Hannibal is a prequel. I think that's, one of the best shows on television currently or like shows that are not canceled yet. Um, and, uh, and then Spartacus is pre- prequel series. They also managed a really fantastic prequel season. So it apparently can be done guys. <laughs> I got to watch Hannibal. I haven't seen that yet either. Yeah, also good. You, you, you like dark. You yeah. yeah. <laughs> like dark. Right. Yeah. You definitely need to tune into that. There's a, there's a whole lot of dark in that one. 
And uh, yeah, while it while Hannibal seems to be, you know, not a lot of people are watching it. I think uh, I think it's likely we're gonna we might get like five seasons of that just because they have some weird international sp- interna- yeah. special international deal, and it does so much better in other places and just well enough, uh, you know, here uh, to make it, you know, for what they're actually, for what NBC is actually spending for it. Uh, and then uh, now it'll be part of the summer offering. So yeah. First two seasons are up on uh, Amazon. I think Amazon instant. The second season just went up like this past week. So, so yeah, Jason, you'll have to check it out because mm-hmm. from the pilot on it's really, and the budget is tiny, but I have no idea what, Dark magic they're performing <laughs> on that set because it looks gorgeous. So yeah. Yeah, yeah the yeah, yeah the cool. the set designs and then all the special effects of the various body parts and the way they have to create them <laughs> for the way bodies are found and uh and then the way that it's shot, uh and then uh the whole the the music, everything, the way everything ties together, it's uh it's quite the experience and uh, look forward to Look forward to season three coming this summer. Mm. And uh, uh, with that, uh, I think that'll do it for that'll do it for the prime time segment, and we'll move on to some TV recommendations. And uh, I have no idea is it, we're we're going on the surprise uh, uh, level here of of what Kate <laughs> and Jason are going to uh, uh, bring to the table. For me, I've I mean I've been trying to think of what uh, what I was going to recommend. Uh, and whether I'd recommend it this week or next week, uh, but uh, either way, maybe I'll recommend it both weeks. But uh, I Zombie coming to the CW uh, on the seventeenth of March, and uh, I just I really I really liked it. It's it falls into that more uh, like <laughs> has a, a bit more fun. There's a little bit more of a sense of humor to it. Uh, it's got a lot of elements of shows that I've liked before. Uh, that being Veronica Mars, True Calling, and Chuck. Then, you know, sort of an overall, there is an ongoing mystery of, you know, how this condition uh, came about and and stuff that's going on. But uh, that, uh, that's my pick. Uh, another, another CW show that I think is really, really good uh, to go along with. Uh, All of them? <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> to go along with, uh, well... Uh, Jane the Virgin, Arrow, Flash, a hundred. Supernatural for me. Yeah, for you, Supernatural. <laughs> Heart of Dixie on a completely different, uh, more on the uh, the sort of fun <laughs> Jane the Virgin side of the of the scale of things, but still uh, uh, really good. Uh, notice I didn't mention Beauty and the Beast. Uh, yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> in that uh, list of shows, but we're get, it's coming. For fans of that show, it's coming. In so the you summer. saw the pilot of iZombie. I've seen the first four. Okay, cool. Looking forward to it. Yeah, if you have any type of uh, propensity for things like the sort of mystery humor of Veronica Mars, it has that sort of sensibility with sort of the same setup as True Calling, which is you know a med student or former med student uh, in this case uh, working in uh, the coroner's office. Uh, that uh, when she. In this case, when she eats brains, she also gets some of their memories, and and so that's uh, where, and then she plays it off as she's a psychic to help the police uh, solve these crimes. <laughs> I uh, didn't know that part. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's uh, and and then there's some other 
uh, there's some other elements that come in with the from the eating of the brains that are that are interesting too. But those are more fun to find out uh, along the way while you're watching. But yeah, that's uh, that's that's my pick uh, for you know something uh, coming. Uh, Jason, you got uh, a recommendation? Yeah, um, I got two quick ones. Is that okay? Sure. Or is it against the rules? Um, no. Okay, that was too that was that was too slow. Sorry, uh, you said they were going to be fast. Is to assuage my change my reputation from just liking dark shows. Is <laughs> I recently um, started binge watching Futurama for the first time. I love Netflix. <laughs> Never saw it before, and uh, it's so good. I love it. It's it's just really funny and clever. At least so far, I'm like halfway through season three. So if you never saw that, I, I recommend going back and checking it out. It's awesome. And then, uh, and I think when it started, they might have like taken a lot of the talent from Simpsons over to Futurama because they were bored and wanted to do something new. And then the one that I've been watching over the last couple of days, they just released House of Cards season three. So that's um, Kevin Spacey and Robin Wright as two ambitious, uh, well, he's a politician and she, she uh, works behind the scenes and it's very, it's all about power jockeying and backstabbing and it's really addictive and it's pretty dark, I would say. So there you go. Um, I'm about two thirds of the way through season three and I just, uh, I'm going to, as soon as I'm done with this podcast, go back and start watching it again. <laughs> so those are mine. How about you, Kate? Um, well, I already mentioned Fortitude, uh, or, or you mentioned it, Jason, up at the top. And I'll say for people who, the subset of people listening who actually get Pivot yes. that channel, <laughs> uh, Fortitude has been a blast. And it's really fun to watch them just kind of tease the audience and play with these genre elements. It's it's one where, sort of like True Detective with The King in Yellow, but it seems, a season one, I should say, of True Detective, uh, where they were teasing with these uh, strange fiction uh, elements that seemed it was so interesting and so exciting as a as a genre fan to see this tinge to an otherwise very common genre or of, of television you know the 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 crime serial or you know police procedural kind of story so here we have again it's another murder in a small town but they just they, the way that the camera tracks characters it feels often like a, straight out of a horror movie they, they're really aware of and playing with genre uh, elements while never you know fully committing to it but in a way that's exciting and enticing rather than frustrating so it's been really fun to, to watch that but my real honest to goodness uh, recommendation the show that everyone should be watching well not everyone but most people should be watching and no one is is looking because looking is amazing and why the hell is everybody talking about togetherness when they should be talking about looking the show is fantastic. It's HBO. It's on Sunday. It, it's, it took a, a little bit of time for me to really invest in the characters in season one, but by the end of season one, it was really strong. Now here in season two, they hit the ground running. The performances are fantastic. The, uh, the writing is great, and it has this wonderful tone that you will not find anywhere else on television. It's just very laid back, and, um, wa and it completely is engaging, and it sucks you into these characters' worlds, but in a way that is just, it's wonderful. It's like the best show to binge watch too, uh, because you will, you can like draw a bath and just relax in the world of looking, which you can't do 
with House of Cards. It's very stressful, enjoyable, but stressful experience. Looking is a different, it's a very different kind of binge watch, and they're both fun, but nobody's watching Looking, and I, it's frustrating to me because it is a wonderful show, and people should be talking about it the way that they used to talk about girls. <laughs> What's your favorite show on right now? Kate. Right now, this like this week. Well, no, that's um, <laughs> not canceled. That's not canceled. Well, I'm just. I mean, as opposed to like um, shows that will be coming back that aren't yeah, on now. Be, I'd say yeah. Jane the Virgin. Um, okay. But um, for comedies, for dramas, it's The Americans because it's amazing. Um, but there's. You know, I also love Justified. I also love. I really am enjoying Fortitude. The Good Wife is back tonight, which I'm very excited for. And on the comedy side, just girls and uh, looking are having fantastic seasons really enjoying uh, this season of always sunny is is ridiculously strong uh, broad city is nailing it just you know hitting it out of the park every week uh, almost every week so yeah there's there's a lot of really great TV on right now <laughs> yeah somebody asked me that uh, <laughs> uh, I was I went to the uh, the local golf show here in Seattle on Friday and uh, I had my TV holic hat on and I was uh, looking at something in one of the guys at one of the booths was like tv holocon i said yeah he said so what's your you know what what type of shows do you do you like and i was like it'd be easier for me to tell you which shows i don't watch <laughs> as opposed to the shows that i do i made a smaller list but yeah it was, that, that that's that's where uh it's always funny when somebody asks you that question what's the, you know what's you know what are your favorite shows and then you you start thinking it's like well like right now or yeah. or like ever you know, or all time or I think six feet under is my all time favorite yeah. or because you even start thinking about stuff like you go, well, Game of Thrones is really good, but it's not on right now. So it's like not really. So it doesn't count. Yeah, it's not, yeah. it's not like in your you're like you're like thinking like, what am I watching like right now? You know, like of stuff that I'm watching right now. You know, yeah. Jane the Virgin and the Americans uh, are, are all really, you know, all really good. And uh, yeah, there's there's a there's a bunch of stuff where all of a sudden you're just like. You're like watching so much stuff that you're like, what are you? Yeah, what if you is... just had to pick one show and that's all you could watch? Don't make me choose between Jane and the Americans. It's not okay. very nice that I would pick Sorry. the Americans, but I don't want to, but I would. You wouldn't... But don't make me. Kate, you wouldn't pick Allegiance? No, no, I wouldn't pick Allegiance. I really, really wouldn't. Though I did watch a full ep- – I watched the pilot, and if I had had more time, I might have watched the second episode but I probably would not because I would have watched something else instead. Are you guys uh, into Doctor Who? Doctor Who? Yeah, I've actually seen all of Doctor Who, including Reconstructions, because I'm that kind of nerd. Wow. Well, I re- recently went to a convention where Matt Smith was, and my son loves Doctor Who. He's only three and a half years old, and uh, so he thought Matt Smith was Doctor Who, and I slipped him a sonic screwdriver that he then gave to my son and kind of blew his mind. It was great. <laughs> you're doing it right, clearly. Yeah, that's really cool. If your son loves uh, Doctor Who, yeah, specifically Matt Smith, he says, "Yeah, that's my doctor." Well, that he has good taste because that would be <laughs> that, would, that would be mine too. I'm still Trouton girl. Can't can't help it. Trouton, and then probably four, and then four is mine. Ten, yeah, yeah ten's yeah. pretty great. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot. I like them all. <laughs> Yeah, well, it it really is one of those that it does really come down to, like, when did you start watching? Yeah, that's part of it. A lot of times, whoever the doctor was when you started watching, whether you've gone back and watched before that or, 
or after or continue to watch after that a lot of times whatever your uh, your your first doctor is your favorite doctor I always thought that and but because it was always Tom Baker and then but then David Tennant I almost was like hmm maybe I'm feeling unloyal here but no I still like Tom Baker and he got so shouty by the end you know it's just like <laughs> And, you know, Smith had to go get all, the ready had to go get all misogynist by the end. So that kind of killed that. I was in a living yeah. girl for a while. And I just, I keep, I always go back to Troughton. I always come back to Troughton. I haven't even seen, I don't think I've seen one Troughton episode. I got to go a, check it yeah, out. There's a lot of uh, reconstructions and like, because yeah. a lot of his ones are lost, but I really enjoy uh, his one. If I could pick one uh, story to, to get found, it would be Power of the Daleks, his first episode, because it's one of the all-time best Dalek stories. But there's just no video, you know, details. Oh, you just, you can hear the audio somewhere? They have the audio and they have production uh, uh, stills and they can kind of like okay. piece together, you know? It's like kind of listening to, like listening to a radio play. <laughs> like a, a radio play with some. Yeah. Yeah. I'm loving the new one, actually. It's so much fun <laughs> to watch the doctor get to play an a-hole. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Good time. Yeah. <laughs> Well, on that note, that's a, a, a whole <laughs> lot of recommendations for you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, some stuff that's uh, playing now, uh, some stuff that you can find on places like Netflix, and uh, some stuff to come uh, like iZombie. And as always, you can find uh, – we'll have links to all of our recommendations as well as the news stories we talked about uh, as well as where you can uh, find and listen to uh, Jason and Kate's podcast in the show notes at tvtimes3.com slash 264. Uh, next week, uh, Amory is scheduled to be back with me, and our guest will be uh, Melissa Giramonte from thetelevixen.com, and we'll be talking about uh, more TV uh, next week. And with that, the opening and closing music is provided by IODA Promonet. The song is TV Party by the Asylum Street Spankers from their Mercurial title put out by Yellow Dog Records. And thank you, uh, Jason and Kate, for joining me on episode 264. Thank Thanks you. Thanks so much for having me back. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah, I love it. We sit glued to the TV set all night. And every night. Why go into the outside world at all? It's such a fright. We got nothing better to do than watch TV and have a couple of brews.